This is TCE number 26, The Philosophy of Medicine. TCE stands for Theology and Current Events. Hello, my name is Father David Nix. Now, real quick, you can probably tell by the name of this podcast something about medicine. I just want to give you a quick warning. This podcast really isn't too much about coronavirus or the serum that we're going to call just the vacation so as to not trip up the algorithms. I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end. But the fact is I realize there's so many people both taking my side and attacking me right now that they don't understand the basics of how medicine works. And I really hope this podcast is going to clear things up. Now, someone online recently said I have very minimal experience in medicine. Today in my mental prayer, I was meditating on the three things that St. John says will trip you up to lead you to hell, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the pride of life, uh, I think, could very much include giving your CV. However, uh, St. Francis de Sales says, if you are falsely accused, you should have a rebuttal for that once and then let it drop. So since there are people listening to me on matters of medicine, I do think it's worth giving my CV, especially since someone said I had very minimal experience. So I think it's worth just giving you a little bit of my history of medicine before we go into the philosophy of medicine and then the theology. So why do I have any authority at all to speak on medicine? Well, none really, so you don't have to listen, but I do want to tell you a little bit of my CV. So let's go way back to when I was a teenager. You know, I went when I was 15 years old to start volunteering in the Children's Hospital of Denver in their emergency department when I was about 15. I remember I spent my 16th birthday in a liver transplant in that same hospital. Uh, later after that, I graduated Boston College pre-med with a bachelor's in theology. And I have to remember, Boston College is probably the most competitive pre-med track of any Catholic university in the United States, second only to Georgetown University. And there at Boston College, besides the basics of bio, biology and chemistry, I studied anatomy and physiology, pathophysiology, an advanced biostatistics, biostatistics class, microbiology, and molecular and cellular biology under a Harvard professor. Now, when I was out there studying, I also started on the ambulance as a 19-year-old out there in Somerville, Everett, Chelsea, working for Cataldo Ambulance. And I was just an EMT basic because I had taken a night class at Boston College. But I got to start bringing patients to the very best hospitals in the world, um, Mass General, Beth Israel, Boston Children's. At age 19, I treated my first gunshot wound. In fact, two patients at a bar in either Everett or Chelsea at the age of 19. Now, at that time, I was studying medicine because I wanted to get married, go off and do primary care in Africa, basically as a missionary. And so I got into physician assistant school in Brooklyn. No need to go, you know, study um, advanced cancer work or urology or whatever if you're just going to do primary care. Um, But I I took a retreat or several retreats with the Franciscans in Harlem at the time. And even though I was already paying my rent in Brooklyn, I decided to recuse myself from that because I found God was calling me to the priesthood. So I broke up with my girlfriend and returned to Denver to become a paramedic to pay off my debt. Now, EMT basic is what I was in Boston, but the gold standard of pre-hospital care in all paramedicine is an EMT paramedic. And that I had to go to school for six months for that. Now it's up to about two years. Um, now, after paramedic work, paramedic school, rather, I did some transfer work, but ultimately I made it to 911 ambulances, and I treated hundreds or thousands of patients in car accidents, gunshot wounds, cardiac arrests, allergic reactions, suicides, attempted suicides, drug overdoses, strokes, motorcycle accidents, everything you can imagine someone might call 911 for. I did a short time at Denver Paramedic Division downtown. Now, you have to remember, this is probably the most highly trained EMS agency in the United States. At least it was 20 years ago when I was down there. My badge was 0206, I think. 
and maybe second only to Kings County in Washington State. Um, their medics are trained to be as smart as doctors and as tough as cops. That's not me bragging, that's just really what they're known for. One medic was teaching EKG 12 lead to the ER physicians at Denver General, as we used to call it. Now it's called Denver Health. He wasn't teaching the cardiology unit, but he was teaching the emergency department at Denver General uh, 12 lead EKG. That's how good these guys got in their medicine. I still have my uh, Kevlar vest right over there uh, as a hermit here. Um, this is my new uniform, but I still have my Kevlar vest. So uh, they were highly, highly trained. Um, well, okay, let's, let's bring this into the philosophy of medicine now. The main thesis I want to prove on this is that medicine only helps the body to heal itself. Now, that might sound boring after all the stuff I just gave you right there, but this is really important. I want you to remember it. Medicine only helps the body to heal itself. And I found that in the field and I found it in my books that I studied. Now, that line that I just gave you, that might sound a little bit organic or hippie, but I'm going to prove it even from the most aggressive form of medicine, which everybody knows is emergency medicine. So let's talk about what I've seen or done and I'm going to, or read, and I'm going to prove that even in emergency medicine, those clinicians, those physicians, those surgeons, the nurses, everybody in a hospital is ultimately, even if they won't admit it, directing the body to ultimately heal itself or the person dies. You either help the body heal itself or the person dies. There's no perpetual dependence on medicine. Now, the most aggressive move that you're ever going to see in an emergency department is called a thoracotomy. It's pretty rare, but basically what happens is if someone comes in, say, with a gunshot wound to the chest, most surgery is going to happen in the OR, but one of the few uh, very aggressive surgical moves that can happen in the ER, again, is a thoracotomy. That's where they put in basically a vice system between the ribs, crack open the ribs, go in there, clamp off the aorta, and then maybe they do cardiac massage on this person as they get him up to the OR, but ultimately they clamp off the aorta so they can get to the um, operating room, get to the um, wherever the aorta or the heart was uh, pierced by a knife or an arrow or a bullet or whatever it was, and then hopefully get the body going again. Um, Ultimately, with a thoracotomy, basically, then what you're doing is you are blocking off normal blood flow so as to temporarily hold it there and then fix it and then hope the body comes back and functions on its own. Okay, let's talk about a totally different thing we see in emergency medicine. Um, from the, I think the first cardiac arrest I saw was um, a narcotic overdose in Somerville, Massachusetts. I was 19 years old and um, I remember doing chest compressions as just an EMT. The medics were pushing Narcan. I later found out that's a reversal agent that I use many times as a paramedic later. But what happens with Narcan? Well, Narcan basically competes at the cellular level for a narcotic. And what happens is when that competes and basically fills in where the narcotic that someone just took to overdose, the cells start to return to their normal function. And it's quite a amazing drug because I mean, I remember pushing on people in respiratory arrest and they'll come back and have a conversation within five seconds of me pushing Narcan. But ultimately, what you're doing is, to put it in very juvenile terms, you're putting in a medicine that's telling the bad medicine, say heroin, they can't have any more say in the cellular level and the body has to function on its own, not with these drugs affecting it. 
Okay, totally different example. Let's talk about a motorcycle accident. Frequently motorcycle accidents, people will go over the handlebars, they'll have what's called bilateral femur fractures, and then they'll have to be taken to the OR. And if they live after a, a motorcycle accident, they often call them donor cycles in the emergency rooms. Um, if they live after a motorcycle accident, let's say they have bilateral femur fractures, they have to put all these pins and stuff in their femurs. What, what is actually happening? Well, you know, orthopedic surgeons and trauma surgeons they, they they joke that basically what they're doing is just body shop work. If you go to like, you know, a car shop, body shop place, it's just a bunch of like cutting and sawing and gluing and stuff. And you might be surprised a lot of orthopedic surgeries at. But except here's what a motorcycle or an ATV or a 4x4 cannot do. It, it can't heal itself. You know, when you put pins through the femurs of someone who wrecked their motor, motorcycle and, and this person actually lives... They're going to have pins in there for a long time, but what is actually healing the femurs? Is it the pins? Absolutely not. It is the body healing itself. Okay, let's talk about a heart attack. You know, a lot of people out there think a heart attack is commensurate or the same thing as cardiac arrest. It's not. A uh, heart attack just means there's a lack of blood coming to the tissues, lack of perfusion of oxygen to the key tissues called cardiac tissue. Now, we use a medicine in the ambulance called nitroglycerin. That opens it up a little bit. Hopefully, we get the person to the hospital alive. And frequently, I've had patients having a heart attack, having a conversation with me, awake and alert. Well, we get them to, say, the cardiac cath lab. And then if nitroglycerin opened up those clogged arteries in the heart a little bit, the cardiac cath lab opens it up a lot. What does it open up for? Does it open up for medicine? For more medicine? No, it opens it up for your own blood to make it to your own heart. See what I'm doing here? I'm showing you everything heals itself. Medicine can only be the body's kind of hand to hold the actual body. Medicine is this like tutor that holds the body to ultimately get it jump-started to heal itself. Maybe another analogy, medicine's the training wheels but the body has to run on its own again. This is what a lot of people, liberals, conservatives, even people that have been to med school, and we're gonna talk about later why even physicians don't get this. Um, let's even talk about something like chemo. You know, chemo is very aggressive. That could maybe be an argument against my whole thing, but I would even say chemo is one of those things, because here's why. Even something like chemo for cancer is essentially the physicians and the nurses trying to return the body to homeostasis when it's gone berserk and making too many cells in an area. That's really what's, what cancer is, cell reproduction gone berserk. And so even chemo is trying to get the body to function the right way on its own. I mentioned I had a molecular and cellular biology professor from Harvard, and that's what she described cancer as, is too much of a good thing. It's a great definition of cancer. It's just too much of a good thing. So chemo is dialing down that too much of a good thing. And what is the goal of this? The goal of this is to bring the body to run on, run on its own, it's never to be dependent on something. So basically, here's what I'm getting at. Medicine is like this. Imagine a ship that's supposed to go at zero degrees in the water and starts to go five degrees. Medicine is just supposed to bring it back to that zero degrees. It's not supposed to direct it to its own goal of 30 degrees off or 60 degrees off or 90 degrees off or, God forbid, 180 degrees off. I don't mean that blasphemy. I mean literally, God forbid we look at medicine to lead us the opposite direction. I really follow Occam's razor on this stuff, that the most simple explanation is usually what we have to look for in both diagnosis, prognosis, and treatment. So I'll give you an example of something that came into the crossroad of medicine and philosophy, 
and a lot of conservatives aren't going to like me for this, maybe even traditional Catholics aren't going to like this, but I very much believe George Floyd died not by a fentanyl overdose, but by a knee on his neck. I've worked, I pushed fentanyl on numerous patients because um, we also use not just Narcan, but we also use fentanyl on the ambulance. At least uh, I should say I used to. My paramedic license has lapsed, but I've used fentanyl. Um, it has an immediate uh, onset peak. Um, there's some debate on when fentanyl peaks out. Uh, but even if these theories that George Floyd, George Floyd had some fentanyl in the back of the uh, cop car, um, the peak onset that I've seen when I've used fentanyl is just so rapid. I'm 99.99% sure George Floyd died by the knee that was on his neck. That just that stops uh, your windpipe and it stops the corroded arteries and you're going to die. Okay, so what does this have to do with the big topic uh, people are calling me either a prophet for or insane for? Uh, the serum for coronavirus, which I'll just call vacations. Uh, as you know, like mandatory vacations. So just get used to me using that word. Well, here's what this has to do uh, with all that. I mentioned George Floyd so you understand that I'm not just going to follow where I think the right wants to be my cheerleader or the traditional Catholics. Um, they're going to disagree with me on that. I follow the evidence and I follow the science on that. Um, so let's talk about these vacations. I don't have a problem with vacations per se as long as they're not made from cell lines of aborted babies and, catch this, and that the benefits outweigh the risks after years of trials. So, for example, I think one that fits that definition is the tetanus, the tetanus vacation, as we're going to call it. Okay, so this brings, to the main, this brings us to the main thesis of this video, the philosophy of medicine, that medicine only helps the body to heal itself. I really want to assert on this video or podcast that anything made to control the body, where a human body becomes dependent on something like numerous boosters, well, then those boosters are not a medicine by definition. Remember, I just tried to prove all this. They're not a medicine by definition, but rather an agent of external control. Again, I'm not against a vacation that's not made, or maybe I'll put it in the positive. I'm fine with a vacation that's not made from cell lines of aborted babies and the benefits outweigh the risks after years of trial. So again, something like tetanus, fine. But we see this is not the case with most of these vacations, and it's especially not the case with the C-19 one. And I'm especially concerned for that one, uh, not only because of these cell lines from aborted babies, but because all these trials of animals of the one I'm getting attacked online for saying don't take, um, all or most of those animals have died. Okay, well, guess what? That's not a body functioning on its own in the glorious health and immune system made strong that God has made it to have. And okay, I just, I just showed my cards. Theology's coming in here as a priest, so I'm just going to bring in theology here. Well, theology is built on philosophy just as grace builds on nature. And if the main philosophy of medicine that I tried to prove, even using emergency medicine, is that medicine is only there to help the body heal itself. And the theology on top of that philosophy is this. God made the body very, very good on its own. It doesn't need much. Okay, yeah, maybe the occasional surgery. Um, but besides that, we're all going to die. And really, a good diet and good exercise just prolongs that date of your death. And then we live forever in heaven and hell, which is why essentially I became a priest and not a medic or a physician is because I want people to live forever, not just, ex you know, extend their healthy life on earth for five or 10 years. Um, now, how did I go from this education at Mass General and a Harvard professor to being such a minimalist? Well, 
to be perfectly honest, and I'm sure there's going to be people be some people turn off the uh, video or podcast now. To be perfectly honest, it's because I found out med students are unwilling to admit how much of their education is funded by big pharma. Um, who does not want the body to work on its own as it has for thousands of years? Big pharma. Um, and even if it's true that longevity is longer now than, say, at the time of Abraham Lincoln, imagine what we would be at if we didn't pump ourselves full of McDonald's, chemo, birth control, high wire lines, microwaves, AirPods, all this stuff. You see, God has made the body an absolute wonder to behold. God has made the body an absolute wonder to work on its own. And when we deny this fact of both that I can prove through natural sciences, but also through supernatural revelation, the Bible, um, then what happens when we reject not just the Bible, but the evidence of really what medicine's supposed to be there for? Well, then we succumb to the only other goal of quote-unquote medicine, which is not health, but control. And when a large part of humanity becomes dependent on a drug, it's called slavery. And you see, this slavery could only take place if the companies producing the medicines were able to make money from the very people who want to enslave most of the planet by becoming dependent on numerous boosters instead of letting natural immunity run its course. And when we don't have these first principles down, namely the philosophy of medicine, which again, I'm asserting that medicine only helps the body function according to its unbelievably complex and perfect principles, then we are susceptible to believing that we need, say, masks and serums to live. I mean, this is straight out of a dystopian movie. Did you ever watch The Giver with Jeff Bridges? 2014 movie. And really the thrust of that movie, it's a dystopian movie, it's very good. The notion, the thrust of that movie is to show, uh, well, the bad guys are trying to show we cannot live on our own without shots. But the heroes, the protagonists of the movie, show that we don't need this control. All we need is normal biology to reproduce and live lives of freedom and joy and glory. Now, even Hollywood in 2014 somehow knew this. Hollywood in 2014 with Jeff Bridges, remember the guy who plays the Big Lebowski? Even they knew that the heroes of the future would have to buck big control over our biological systems. Uh, they seem to have known in making that movie, if ever a large part of humanity would fall into thinking he needs both big tech and big pharma to live, then we would have the, well, essentially the first... If we fall to this, we have the first globally fascist government in the history of the world. That's right out of the movie. And uh, medicine's one of two things. It's either helping the body or it's control. You know, Mussolini once wrote this, quote, Everything I have said and done in these last years is relativism by intuition. From the fact that all... I from the fact that all ideologies are of equal value, that all ideologies are mere fictions, the modern relativist infers that everybody has the right to create for himself his own ideology and to attempt to enforce it with all the energy of which he's capable. If relativism signifies contempt for fixed categories and men who claim to be the bearers of an objective immoral, immortal truth, then there's nothing more relativistic than fascism, end quote. That was Benito Mussolini, the Italian version of Hitler. Now, the same can be said for biology, for teaching people about the human body. Once we have a relativistic instead of an objective view of biology, just like we see the left push in abortion, transgender surgeries, then the wheels are grease for us to believe anything along the lines of this biofascism, as I'm going to call it. Uh, or if you think that's an exaggeration, look how many girls have been tricked into thinking they're never going to have normal cycles or clear skin without that pill 
that oral contraceptive pill that causes abortions, strokes, pulmonary embolisms. And by the way, girls, your cycle will take care of itself. Your, your acne will clear, I promise. It's not worth putting a class one carcinogen in your body for small problems. So why do I mention contraception and all this stuff? Because really the, the wheels have been greased for these 50 years of thinking our bodies stink on their own. So now something big can come down the pike to trick us into thinking medicine will save us when in fact it's been killing us. In fact, both clinicians I spoke to said the narrative on who is in the hospital with the C-19 is essentially the exact opposite of mainstream media. The two clinicians I've spoken to um, said that uh, those who've had the, remember what we're calling them, the vacations, those are the ones filling the COVID units on vents. And yes, I realize that is the exact opposite. It's not a slight difference. I realize that's the exact opposite of what the mainstream media is saying. Um, but now at the global level, global level, if people think they need all these boosters to live uh, and they're not going to look for the evidence of this, except for what the mainstream media, which is in bed with big pharma and big tech, is telling them, uh, then what, what can a, a, a hermit with a YouTube channel really convince people unless they want to be deceived at this point? Um, but I am still going to insist, because I do have a couple listeners, that the body regulates and fixes itself in a way that no vehicle on the planet, planet can do. You know, beginning with the fact that your body is nearly perfect and strong on its own. And by the way, I thank God that your body works. I thank God that your brain works to see, to see past this totalitarian health tyranny relativism uh, that, this left, that the left is pushing. But anyway, if you remember one thing from this uh, video, from this podcast, just remember that the only point of medicine is to slightly tweak the direction of the body to help the most incredible machine on the planet fix itself. Nothing else on the planet except animal bodies, fish bodies, human bodies, nothing can fix itself um, except biological agents. Even plants can do that, as it best knows how. Medicine, let's talk about just us humans. We're gonna finish on this. Medicine only helps the body heal itself in very, very small ways. God bless you. Please say an Our Father for me at Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis. Patis Spiritus Santi, descended super vos et maniat semper. Amen.